This is the full interview from a segment from the Overdrive radio and podcast program. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au. Tanim Ahmed is the Head of Business Intelligence and Product at Datium Insights, who provide a wide range of industry information, particularly including the price of secondhand cars included in that as well. There's been some huge shifts in that recently. Tamad, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it, David. Thanks for having me. The shift in prices from 2019 onwards, what have been some of the big trends and has it been possibly the biggest, shortest, sharpest trends you've seen? Yeah, it's definitely been a unique one, bit of a roller coaster ride. You know, if we compare it to history, the, the closest comparison is probably what happened in the GFC. Mm. But even despite that very different experience back in the GFC, obviously the entire world fell into a very deep recession. And even though Australia somewhat skipped it, or quite a lucky nation in that respect, we still saw quite a, a strong depreciation in cars over that period. But it was a much more prolonged period of depreciation. So quite quickly, prices declined by about 20% back in 2008. And it probably took about two years for prices to get back to where they, where they were prior to that. Um, so a very prolonged depreciation. COVID has kind of been the opposite. Um, the last two years is, uh, has, has been a, a, a very different experience, it's, although it's it's been quite dramatic in comparison as well. So initially in 2019, when COVID, the onset of COVID started, obviously everyone went into lockdown and, uh, you know, in terms of people being able to transact and trade cars, that basically came to a standstill. So uh, around March in 20, 2020, prices dropped about 15 to 20%. Uh, it was a very rapid decline. The amount of stock or amount of trading that happened was very minimal. But once those restrictions somewhat eased in, in those months, the, the transaction activity resumed and prices shot shot back up very quickly. And from that point onwards, they they have been climbing for quite a long time. Unprecedented price growth that people in the industry experienced. What would be the percentage of a used car on average across the board as being higher than what it was pre-COVID? Yeah, so prices increased for about two, about one and a half, two years. And it peaked around March, April last year, where prices were about 50% higher than where they were pre-COVID. So on average, a $10,000 car, you're going to look at spending 15000 So it's a massive, massive uh, increase. And that's something that's been you know, consistent with overseas markets as well. So if you look at the US, if you look at Europe, uh, the UK, they experience very similar trends, very strong price growth, even over in New Zealand, price growth wasn't as strong, but it was this very similar trend. However, since March, April last year, that uh, trend has reversed. Um, so a lot of the drivers that compounded and contributed to that increase, you know, issues around supply, some of the things around, you know, I spoke already about uh, the, the ease of transaction and restrictions on people's movements. Obviously, uh, things around the semiconductor industry, so there's a lot of media attention given to that. So a lot of that, were, you know, drove some of that price growth. Since then, obviously, the market has turned. And it's something that, that we had predicted for a while. It, it actually happened later than we expected. We were, we were expecting it to happen earlier, probably in late 2021, early 2022, but it probably took a little bit longer. And since then, prices have come down about 15%. So it's been a very steady decline, not a rapid one. And a lot of that is to do with, you know, changes in those original behaviors. So things around supply, the ease of new cars entering into Australia, 
and going into what we're experiencing today, some of the changes in the macroeconomic climate and people's ability to transact. You say it's about 35 40% above. Do you think we will ever get back to the pre-COVID levels? It's a really good question, something that we get asked quite often. Our view is that probably no. Even prior to COVID, we had seen that prices for used cars had been steadily climbing each year, about 2 to 3%, very consistent, even stripping out the effects of inflation. We were seeing uh, used car prices continue to rise year on year. It's very difficult to tell what was driving that behavior. You know, there's a lot of, there's a myriad of reasons that could have played into that. Things around population growth, things to do with business activity, but it was very consistent. So we had already an expectation that prices moving on from pre-COVID till today would probably be around 5 to 10% higher. And we expect that once this run of price decline comes to a conclusion, prices will still remain somewhat around that 10% region above where they were pre-COVID. It was a perfect storm in some ways, wasn't there? Because it was not only COVID, it was semiconductors, it was perhaps geopolitical instability that has pushed that up. Other factors too, now that we're sort of transitioning more, not totally immediately, but more to electric vehicles, the price is likely of new cars to be higher. That's a factor in the understanding of what will happen with secondhand prices. Yeah, certainly. You know, we've seen new car prices across the entire industry rise over the last two years. Not just, uh, in, in fact, electric vehicles is probably the one area where prices have been a bit tighter as manufacturers look to make more affordable economic options available to customers. But putting them aside across the industry, we've seen prices for new cars, you know, to the tune of several percentage points increase. And that obviously has a flow on effect to, to used car pricing, you know, vehicles which typically rise in price in terms of new car price, they tend to see a stronger depreciation at times, particularly if supply changes come into effect as well. So it's it's very difficult to try and foresee some of these uh, pricing changes that happen up front in new car prices and how that might play into the used car space. Electric vehicles started from a high level anyway, don't they? didn't they? And that if they come down, it might still be a case where you're paying more than you would have in the past for a four-door family sedan. That's exactly right. So even despite some of the cost-cutting and you know some of the, the marketing promotional activity that their manufacturers have been conducting on electric vehicles, they're still quite an expensive option in the used car market. On top of that, in terms of the quantum and availability of electric vehicles on the used car market is still very, very small. If you take into consideration there's about 20 million used cars in Australia registered on the road, the amount of uh, electric vehicles is is a very small portion of that. And you know, if you look at the, the quantum of electric vehicles that are on sale high in the used car market, it's even a, a smaller portion. So the, the pricing of electric vehicles is very volatile at the moment throughout that COVID period. Even while other other areas of the market were increasing, we actually saw prices for electric vehicles fall. And that was actually because the availability of new electric vehicles coming to Australia had fallen off and people's concerns around, you know, the ability of people to, um, you know, charge their vehicles for manufacturers to continue servicing and, and providing uh, assistance to, to that uh, stock of electric vehicles so, sort of questioned. So uh, we actually saw the reverse for electric vehicles. Since then, prices have trended upwards, similar to the rest of uh, the market, but it's very volatile. So you'll see in certain periods, there's great availability of uh, electric vehicles on the market. 
and that affects the price. And then the opposite happens um, several months later and the prices increase. Um, very different from the rest of the market where prices are, are much more stable because the amount of stock that's flowing is is a lot more stable at the same time. Talking not about just the average change, but about specific makes of cars and types of vehicles, uh, does the used car market reflect a little bit more of what we uh, were in the past versus the new car market with what we're heading to in the future? Do we find people desperately buying up or there's an increase in price on vehicles that may become rarer in the future? I think you're spot on. So in terms of demand, the demand is very similar to what you see in the new car market. For many, many years, we've seen consumers gravitate towards more SUVs, light commercials, the utes, and we've seen similar demand behaviors in the used car market as well. And what that means is the amount of passenger cars that have been transacted in the used car market the past several years has fallen off, similar to what you've seen in new cars. And, you know, you look at supply and demand at the same time, we've actually seen prices for passenger vehicles retain more strength in that same period. So particularly over this COVID period, we saw passenger vehicles increase in price, for, for, you know. Disproportionately higher. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas like commercial vehicles, uh, they increase, but not as much as passenger and SUVs. And that just goes to the fact that there's a lot more availability of that stock in the market is there's, uh, you know, because of what's happening in the new car space. So it's, it's in terms of pricing, it's actually a sort of an opposite effect. When you get down to brands, it's a little bit more difficult to, to sort of group brands together because obviously each brand plays in, in multiple segments. So definitely the, in terms of supply, we've seen the East Asian brands, their suppliers uh, improved greatly over the past six months. So cars coming out of South Korea and Japan, Thailand, those places, the supply is very much eased. Um, it's still not le- uh, on the same level of what we saw pre-COVID, but it's very, very much gotten better. Supply out of Europe is still a challenge. You know, when we look at production figures over in Europe, um, we saw Germany, their production levels have increased over the past several months, but it's still dramatically below where it was pre-COVID. So cars out of Europe and European brands in particular, pricing for those cars and supply of those cars is still a bit volatile in the market today. Datium, what's its purpose? What's its main focus, your company? So um, our purpose is to really provide tools, products to the industry at large that give more transparency and power in understanding pricing behaviours. So we've got a few tools, a few products that we've developed for the market. Uh, We've got a valuation product called InstantVal, which uses a machine learning model in the background to provide up-to-date valuations of motor vehicles. So basically you put in a rego and it'll spit out a valuation within seconds. It's you know widely used within fleet, rental, um, and even by a lot of financiers at the moment, but it's available to use by anyone in the industry. Uh, we've got another product called Auto Predict, which is all about predicting values into the future. So residual values for anyone that works in fleet or, or in the finance industry that needs to understand how values might you know change over time. That's the product that's being built for them. And then over in the uh, in consumer space, we have a product called Prices People Pay. So this is orientated towards just, you know, mums and dads that are looking to buy or sell a used car and they need access to some pricing to be able to understand, you know, where to position their sales price or where to position buying behavior. So it provides a bit of transparency to people that are willing, willing to trade in the used car market. So it's, it's very much around 
helping people get a better understanding of pricing and, and how pricing is moving in the market and giving them more power when they're trading uh, at the same time. My background is in engineering. Uh, I would have thought that a company like yours in the past may have been totally dominated by analytical analysis. But what you're saying there is, do you, do you have to start thinking about employing more behavioral scientists in part of your consideration? Yeah, it's a great question. So we obviously employ a lot of data scientists, some very smart people to build these uh, machine learning models that uh, are used in our products. But at the same time, we're actually part of Pickles Auctions. And through Pickles Auctions, we've got access to amazing, talented people that have worked in the industry for 20, 30 plus years and have a very good qualitative understanding of brands, of vehicles, of assets, and how they transact in the market in terms of buyers and sellers, how they behave. So we can really draw upon all that experience and, and add that qualitative information to all these products and, and tools and insights that we produce for the industry so that it's complemented. You can, you know, data will never be able to explain everything that's happening in the world. So you really do need some some really experienced people to to complement it. And we've been very fortunate that we've got very talented people at Pickles to to help us do that. Part of that talent would have to be to be flexible that you're not just living the past that you have to be attuned to looking for things you might not have expected, that you're reporting what's happening, not what you think should happening. That doesn't always happen in organisations, yet uh, something like an auction would have a very clear performance metric to it on whether it's working or not. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, a lot of, uh, you know, economic literature, you know, when you look at, for example, the property market, what's happening there, a lot of people in that space look at what's happening in motor vehicle auctions as sort of a leading indicator for the health of the economy. So, you know, we look at things like clearance rates, obviously pricing, buyer behavior, their activity levels, obviously the volume of used cars that are being made available on the market. So we look at all those metrics and it really gives us a good read on people's confidence levels in the economy and, and, and the future of the economy. And it's 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 become very apparent that these things are, are, are useful for other areas of economic research um, when trying to understand, you know, what might happen in the future, very much considering the climate today where things are, are, are can be quite intense. And the solutions that are being proposed and that people might take up, are starting to get far more diverse. A, a subscription service, for example, an example of people looking at car ownership, inverted commas, in a different way. Do you find now that there are far more potential product opportunities rather than just the traditional ones that we've had in the past? Yeah, it's um, it's a very good point. You know, definitely when you look at overseas markets, it's quite different to here in Australia. Here in Australia, there's a very strong aspect towards owning a vehicle. It's been, you know, apparent here in Australia that's it's been the case for many, many years. Uh, when you look at overseas, ownership is looked at a little bit differently. It's more about what you can afford to be in at that point in time, not necessarily what car that you own outright. So, for example, in, in Europe and particularly in the UK, they have a product called PCP, which is personal contract purchase. It's very much similar to a product here that's called GFE. A guaranteed future value and it's it's very much the dominant way of ownership a car ownership in in the uk and over in europe in the us they have something similar that that market is very much dominated by finance leases so it's a very strong leasing culture there 
in Australia, um, people are still attuned to obviously financing their car through loans, but the end goal is always to have outright ownership of the car. What we've seen in the past probably 12 months is the growth in GFE products. So it's very much similar to that subscription model that you described where people uh, pay a certain, I guess you could say a fee per month or, or, or a, um, a loan payment to have ownership of that vehicle, have it out for maybe three to four years. And at the end of that period, there's a, a risk-free transaction that can take place where they can simply return the car or um, you know sell it. They want it to, there's multiple options where the, the risk is mitigated for the customer. So Toyota have done a fantastic job of promoting this product and and you know it's it's a very much a big within the arsenal in the cars that they sell we've seen a lot of other manufacturers jump on that um on this product as well and you know it's, it's changed very much in the industry where there's very few manufacturers now that don't offer this product compared to years past where it's very much dominated by toyota volkswagen and a few others you would have to be very confident or very well researched in what the future may was is most likely to lead to to do that, which again puts emphasis on the sort of data collection that companies like yours are doing. That's exactly right. So um, you know, a lot of these same companies they work with us in terms of data insights and some of the products that I mentioned to help them understand how uh, future values of cars might be impacted, so that it helps them, you know, set their GFEs and helps them promote these products and be able to sell these products confidently in the market and provide value to their customers. Obviously, you know, that the main aim is to, you know, provide a good customer experience. And a big part of that is making sure the pricing aspect is correct and fair and of value to the end customer. So, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, very much contributing um, in that space, and we we're, we're working on building out new tools, new insights to help that um, that part of the industry grow this product out more. And you know, we expect that it's going to be hopefully that the, the main way that people own cars in the future here in Australia. The thing about a subscription service or some of the other opportunities that some of the prestige car manufacturers are offering is the chance to have a car that's fit for purpose for most of the year, but you can uh, have access to the more specialist travel a long distance, for example, type of vehicle. Do you think that that could lead us, those potentials lead us to having, as I say, a more fit for purpose for most of the year and an almost rent-a-car or partial availability of a car in specific, more specialised situations? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's multiple you know models that that are available um, that are being trialed in you know different parts of the world. Um, obviously, Australia is in a very unique position with its geography. People, particularly that people that want to travel across Australia, you know, certain periods they've got a, a real need to have uh, a different fit out within their car. Perhaps uh, you know some uh, a, a body that you want to put in the back or some um, additional equipment. And certainly I can see a, a point in time where there'll be uh, financiers or companies involved in trying to make that available to customers for a short period of time for a subscription fee. I'd say, you know, that subscription industry is still probably in its early stages. Um, I think we've probably got a while to go before it, it gathers more momentum and becomes a bit more mainstream. And these types of offerings where, uh, you know, certain aspects of the car are provided on a short-term basis are, are made available for subscription as well. You know, I think you know some of this stuff is a, a, a lot more freely available in, in overseas markets. It's, it's still quite early in its stages here in Australia, I'd say. It's been said of new car dealers 
that they are having to cope with people entering the showroom with a lot more knowledge than they may have had in the past with internet and, and sites that are being able to collect that. Do you think that's also the case and also a great opportunity, particularly with a second-hand vehicle, for the consumer to be more aware of what that particular product or what they're after and what the particular products may offer? 100%. Obviously, in the new car space, you know, a lot of manufacturers have made pricing far more transparent in recent times compared to years past. So for example, you look at Tesla, the entire experience is basically online. Used cars um, still have a long way to go. A lot of that is because the pricing of it is still quite difficult to understand, grasp. And that's where companies like ourselves come in to try and provide clarity uh, when it comes to used car prices. Um, it's something that, you know, historically people had to rely on experts to provide them information or guidance as to, you know, where prices might lie. And as time goes by and technology improves, and we've seen this in, you know, industries across the world, this, uh, you know, clarity and, and, and ability and power of people to be able to find what prices should be for certain assets is going to get vastly improved and that's where like i said companies like ours we're trying to contribute as much as possible trying to use the latest technology to to uh, you know provide our our customers uh the ability to to have that clarity so it's not just a one-off average graph it's going to be the potential to get details for what you specifically want that's right you've got cars now that come out with Different types of option packs, certain vehicles, you know, are used in very different climates and, and sort of conditions, you know, vehicles that are used in tropical climates in northern Queensland, they generally have quite different values to vehicles used in metropolitan Sydney. So having that understanding of, you know, not just the physical aspect of the car, but the way it's used, where it's geographically located, these will play into, you know, what that car is worth. The machine learning models that we use. They look at a host of probably 40 to 50 different attributes uh, of that motor vehicle, not just the physical ones, but things to do with time and location. So it's it's, it's not a straightforward field, but like I said, we're, we're trying our best to, to make it very simple and, and, and clear for people that use our products. I've always said of electric vehicles, the first question is not what's the range, but how are you going to use it? Mm. And I think that's an example of what you're talking about. Tanem, that's been wonderful. And uh, there's a lot more there that uh, I would be fascinated to learn a bit of uh, and what it means to us on the outside and trying to understand what's going on. I thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, David. Thanks for having me. And that's Tanem Ahmed, who is the Head of Business Intelligence and Products at Datium Insights, who provide wide-range industry information, particularly on second-hand cars, but uh, on an area that I understand that they're also expanding in terms of uh, what will happen with, for example, the commercial and trucking industry.